Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Take your seats. Hallelujah. So, as you all kind of have already found out, I told y'all I like to take polls of the audience when I minister. But tonight, the spirit of my pastor is resting upon me, so I also have a prop. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So here is my first question, probably my only question, but I'll say my first question just in case I ask another one. How many people in here like cake? Cake. Cake. Some people don't like cake. Okay, that's cool. How many people in here like ice cream? Now, I don't have any ice cream to show you, but how many like ice cream? All right. So now, we know that it takes multiple ingredients to make cake, right? And there's multiple ingredients that make ice cream, yes? But there's always this one main ingredient, right? That without that ingredient, you can't get the finished product that you're looking for, right? So, the whole purpose of having ingredients is so that you can mix them together so you can get the finished product, right? So if you're making a cake and you bought this box, this is Duncan Hines, if you happen to buy this box of cake at the store, if you got it home, now hopefully you wouldn't get this home and not realize that the mix isn't in here because the box would be really light. But if by chance that happened and you got this home and there was no mix in here, could you still make the cake? You could have the eggs, you could have the oil, you could have, this one calls for water, some cakes call for milk. You can have the other ingredients, but without this flour, you can't make the cake, right? When it comes to ice cream, no matter how much you freeze fruit and blend it, without the milk, it's not ice cream, it's just sorbet, right? So, okay, I'll say it this way. If you're missing the main ingredient, then you can't expect to get the finished product, correct? Okay. So did you all know that the FDA requires that when labels are made, that the ingredients are listed in a specific order? Now, the order in which those ingredients are listed is by, the order is by the predominance of the biggest ingredient or the main ingredient. So in this box of cake mix, the main ingredient is sugar-enriched bleached wheat flour. Now I know that probably sounds like, ugh. But at the end, it tastes real good, though. So if this sugar-enriched bleached flour, wheat flour, wasn't in here, but everything else was in here, there'd still be something missing. You could still put the stuff together, but you're not going to get what you expected. Amen? So, tonight we're going to talk about a main ingredient that we have to have in our Christian walk. Now, how many people think they know what that main ingredient is? I heard Minister Isom say it. Who else thinks they know? Oh, it's a good ingredient, but it's not the main ingredient. Faith. I just I want to get a non-minister to answer. <laughs> so, faith is this main ingredient. 
Without faith, you don't even have your salvation. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. And I'm going to be reading out of a couple translations tonight. I didn't have my iPad, so I'm going old school. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we're hoping that when we mix all of the ingredients together, that at the end, it's going to look like what's on the front of this box, right? If you miss a step, there's a chance it's not going to look like what's on the front of this box. Amen? So the scripture is telling us that faith is the substance. Faith is that main ingredient that you need for the things that you hope for. Faith is the substance of the things not seen. We do not see a finished cake except for on this box. You see the flour, you went to the grocery store, you got the eggs, you got the butter, you got the oil. You see the ingredients that's supposed to take you to that end result, but until they're mixed together in the right denominations, you're not gonna get this cake, right? So what exactly is faith? When you are mixing the ingredients to this cake, you don't see the finished cake yet, which I said, you may be looking at the box, but without that flour, you are not getting a cake. So without faith, you cannot get what you hope for. You cannot get the evidence of the things unseen. Amen? Now, another thing that the Lord tells us about faith is right here in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God is telling us here, without faith, it is impossible. There is no possible way to please him. Then he goes further to tell you that when you come to him, you have to believe. So let's look at the definition of faith. According to the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, faith is defined as belief. It is the ascent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another, resting on his authority and veracity without other evidence. The judgment that what another states or testifies is truth. According to the Strong's Dictionary, faith is defined as persuasion, a moral conviction of religious truth, or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation, faith is also considered assurance. So the Lord is saying that you have to be assured that I am, that he is who? I am that I am, that he is God, that he is the person that you are depending upon to make come to pass the things that you're asking for. Amen? 
He said that I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you don't believe that, you, that he is the rewarder, that he is the source, are you going to diligently seek after him? No. So let's keep moving. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Because there's some promises, there's a whole lot of promises in the word of God that belong to us. I'm not going to try to get through all of those because I will have y'all here all night long um, trying to move through the promises of God. But we're going to focus on the Abrahamic covenant because the scripture tells us that if we believe, then, our, then we belong to Abraham, and therefore we're Abraham's seed, and we receive of the promise that God spoke to Abraham. So we're going to look at those promises today. Everybody there? Okay, we're going to start in verse, let me do this one, verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So here we see God calling Abraham, or at this point, Abram out. Now, one, it took faith for Abram to even follow God, right? Because Abram used to be a moon worshiper. So now God is telling him, I want you to get away from everything that you know, everything that is familiar, and go to a place that I haven't even specified. I just want you to go. Just start walking in this direction. So what did Abram mix his faith with here? He mixed it with action, but what, did, what his actions were in result of what? His obedience to God. So here we see faith and obedience working together because in verse 4 it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, the interesting thing in here is, God told Abram to get away from his kindred, but he took a kindred he wasn't supposed to take, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it also points out that at the point that the age Abram was when God called him was 75. So it's never too late. It's never too late for you to get on track. It's never too late for you to start something new that God is calling you to. But you gotta have faith and you must be obedient. So go over to Genesis 15. We're going to look at this Abrahamic covenant even more. Starting in verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born of my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad. 
and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And then the Lord gives him some instructions. He said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Now the Lord continues to give him instructions on what he's supposed to do and what God is getting, what God is preparing Abram for is to break a blood covenant between him and Abram. Now this covenant that Abram entered into and that God entered into with, Ab- with Abram is a covenant that we have the benefits of. Now, some people may attempt to say that, you know, that's the Old Testament and that it doesn't, you know, pertain to us, um, you know, that's under the law. Because a lot of people say that the Old Testament is under the law. Well, the Old Testament, this, this particular portion that this Abrahamic covenant didn't happen until, four, happened 430 years prior to the law even being put in place. Amen? So, let's keep moving down to verse 13. Now the Lord is talking to Abram. He said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. So this is God basically telling Abram about what's going to happen throughout the generations of those that come behind him. Now, I already let you know that the law was established for 430 years after this. But this problem promise to Abraham is one of the most significant passages in the entire Bible. It points ultimately to the redemption of the whole world. The importance to the Gentiles is stressed in Galatians, which is where we'll go next. But I want to go back to Genesis 12 real quick. so that you can see some of the specific promises again. The first thing the Lord told Abram, he said, I will make of thee a great nation. Do we have evidence of that today? Okay. The next thing he said, I will bless thee and make thy name great. Can we say that that is true today? The next thing he says to him, and thou shalt be a blessing. All throughout scripture, we see Abram being a blessing. Then in verse 3, he said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Did we not see evidence of that in the scripture? Where when people came against Abraham, he was able to train his 300 servants. We're not talking about military folk. We're not talking about people who knew how to war. These were servants in his house that he was able to train, and they defeated an army that was four times larger than them. So we see evidence of God holding true to this promise. Now let's get over to where we fall into play. Let's go to Galatians. going to go to Galatians 3. We'll probably be here the the rest of the night. Galatians 3 and 
So I'm gonna start with, I'm just gonna start at verse one. Now, just for a backdrop of what's going on here, Paul is now addressing the Galatian church because he had already ministered to them. He established this church. He had, you know, raised them up in the things of God. They were fully aware of the grace of God and that they were now living under grace and that, you know, things had to be done by faith, that the law was no more, you know, applicable to them. But people came, false teachers came, started teaching them things, and they then started picking that stuff back up. So in verse 1, we we see Paul saying, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So he's asking them, did you receive the spirit of Christ in you by the law or by hearing faith? He said, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So he's asking them, how is it possible that you begun this walk with Christ by faith, but now you want to start re-implementing things of the law to make true what you believe by faith? You can't do both. So he says, he therefore that minister to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by it the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we see here now that he's letting them know Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Because Abraham believed, the Lord was able to enter into this Abrahamic covenant with him. He was able to promise him that his name would be great. As long as Abraham was obedient to what God instructed him to do, he would experience the promises that God has spoken to him. Verse 8 says, no, verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So how many of us in here are of faith? Not just faith Christian center, but of faith, of the body of Christ. So the scripture is telling us that the same are the children of Abraham. If you are of faith, then you are are of Abraham. You are the children of Abraham. So what happens when, if a parent like Abraham, you know, he was very wealthy, very rich, and he left what is called an inheritance. That inheritance goes to who? His children, which are also known as heirs, yes? So if because we believe, according to the scripture, that makes us the same as Abraham's children, this is the first indicator that we can see tonight that we are heirs of the Abrahamic covenant. Let's keep going. Verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So for all of those that acknowledge that they are of faith, according to verse 9, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. That same covenant, those same promises that God spoke to Abraham apply to you. But we saw in Hebrews 11, in verse 1, he said that faith is the substance 
of the things hoped for. It's the evidence of the things not seen. Well, do we see us as a great nation in manifested yet? Maybe not. Maybe your name isn't as great as you'd like it to be. Maybe they know you on the block, but you want to be known worldwide. Maybe God told you that you would preach to nations. Just because you don't see it right now doesn't make it not true. But your faith is the main ingredient that will cause that thing that God promised you to come to pass. So, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So what Paul is telling them, you guys are trying to re-implement the law. But don't forget that back in Deuteronomy, I believe it's 27, when all of the curse was written out as far as if you didn't do this, then you'd be cursed with this. And if you didn't do this, then you'd be cursed with this. And then it gets to the very end and it says, you basically, you have to abide by all of these or else you cursed. If you miss one, you cursed. So he's telling you, he comes back to remind the Galatian church, hey, don't pick this back up again because if you start trying to live by the law, that means you have to abide by all of the law. Verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. So, how do we become just? What makes you just? Let's go over to Galatians chapter 2. Just flip back one page. Going to look at verse 16, verses 16 through 21. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So Paul is telling them here, you are justified by the faith of Christ. You have to believe that he is. You have to believe in Christ. When you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, because of what Christ did, his faith now says and makes you justified. It makes you worthy. It makes you acceptable. It gives you the qualifications that you need to appropriate every promise. It puts you in the right line. Have you ever, I remember when I first, my freshman year of college, and you got all these people standing in these lines, you know, one is the registrar line, and one is your stipend line, and one is you got to pay your tuition because you didn't pay it all before you got there, and so they got all these lines happening. If you got in the wrong line, and some of them lines were long, and you waited for an hour, two hours to get to the window, and you get ready to say, okay, I'm here to get my books, and they're like, you got to wait in that line. You can't just slide over and take cuts in front of that person. You got to go to the back of the line. But because of what Christ did, he put us in the right line. 
It's not by any work. It's not by you professing the word seven times a day, every three hours that makes you justified. It's by faith. If I walked up to Shavelton and said, here you go. She took it because I said it was hers. She didn't debate with me about, well, no, nah, Minister T, I, no, nah, I can't take that, you know, no, nah, I, no, nah, I don't deserve it, no. Nah. Now, she'd probably be happier if I gave her the finished cake, but I didn't bake a finished cake. But likewise, we just need to accept what God said he has given us. We make it so difficult sometimes and so challenging sometimes because we allow our, our, our eyes to start dictating what we feel instead of depending upon the word. So let me get back. Let me get back. So how do you get your faith to produce you receiving the promises that God said we should receive as heirs of the Abrahamic covenant? So let's go back to Galatians 3. And pick up at verse 12. Now I'll start at 11 again. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. <clears throat> Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm gonna read verses 12 through 14 from the Amplified. It says, but the law does not rest on faith, does not require faith, has nothing to do with faith. For it itself says, he who does them, the things prescribed by the law, shall live by them, not by faith. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and it is condemnation and its condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing or promised to the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. So why is Holy Spirit so important in this thing? Well, the Holy Spirit has several different roles that he plays for the believer. He's the teacher. He's the strengthener. He's the counselor. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. He's our standby. He's our intercessor. He's our helper. Now, those are all great ingredients for us to walk things, our faith out successfully. Because how many of you know that if you have an advisor that got the direct connect to the head man in charge and he's feeding you the directives from the boss, that as long as you do what he instructs you to do, you'll get to where you want to be. 
When I worked at one of the big three in Michigan, I had a phenomenal boss. Now, how many people, I don't know, this, this might date some folks, I'm dating myself, but there was this Reach toothbrush commercial. And at the time, I guess they were really promoting that you needed to get your back teeth really well. So they had this cartoon character, and his head actually kind of flipped open this way, and the toothbrush re would reach all the way back here. Well, the thing for the reach toothbrush was, you know, basically, you know, when you use the reach toothbrush, it reaches those areas we typically would miss. So this boss was like that. I felt like he just had this invisible incision and he would, you know, pull my head back, pour information in, close it back up and send me on my way to go, you know, handle an assignment. So it would frustrate me that I was hired as his accounts payable person, but I was doing financial analyst work. He was sending me to board meetings on his behalf. I don't want to sit at the table with him. I mean, I did, but I didn't because I didn't feel prepared. But he had prepared me. He told me, take this, say what's on this paper. After that, don't say anything else. If they ask you something and the answer is not on the paper, you tell them that you will get back to them. As long as I did what he told me to do, I looked like I belonged with the rest of the suits. But if I, now I didn't, but if I had opened my mouth and tried to answer questions that I didn't know the answers to, I would have been found out real quick that I really wasn't supposed to be at that table, right? Likewise, if we would just have faith in the assistant, this personal assistant, our very own concierge, our very own personal advisor, personal trainer, personal coach, life coach, however you want, whatever adjective you want to use to describe Holy Ghost, he is that. When we pray in the Spirit, he is feeding to us exactly what the Lord is telling him to tell us to pray. That's why it's so important to yield our tongue to him to pray in the spirit. Romans tells us when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what we ought to pray, then we need to pray in the Holy Ghost because he is praying out the perfect mysteries. He is praying exactly what God is telling him to say. God knows what he wants our end result to be. He knows what we've asked him. He knows what promises we've seen in the word. He knows what we're hoping to receive in the end. He knows that we've extended our faith to hopefully see this finished cake or vehicle, home, job, whatever it is that you're believing God for in the end. He knows the recipe. He knows the ingredients that you need to have to bring this thing to pass. So the best thing to do is listen to the person that he assigned to you to help you. But that takes faith. You have to have faith that the Holy Spirit is going to carry out his assignment. When we get ahead of God, it's usually because we've decided that either things are moving too slow or too many uh Obstacles are popping up in the way, and we playing landmine, trying to get around things. 
and he told you, stand still. Stand still, I got fireworks and bombs going off around me. What you mean stand still? Can't I just take cover right here? Well, no, there's a big ditch when you step back, and that's going to take you further back than what you wanted to be in the first place. Just stand still. I thought it was really weird when I heard somebody minister a message. This was years and years ago, and they were talking about a tornado and how the safest place in the tornado was like in the middle of the tornado. And I was like, that makes absolutely no sense to the natural mind. They say the eye of the storm is the calmest part of the storm. That makes no sense to the natural mind. Now, I'm not trying to stand in the middle of an eye of a storm and figure it out. I don't need to experience it to believe it. But that's another point as well. Believers sometimes feel like, you know, well, you know, if, if it's just not happening this way, then that means it's not coming to pass. Like, we have to experience everything in order for it to be true. If the pastor said... Turn left because that's the way God wants you to go. Why you got to go turn right to see what's over here to see why he said go left? Just have faith that the man of God is hearing what God is, is telling him to tell you and do what he said. It's kind of like our parents. I know my mama used to tell me this a lot that my, um, my mouth was going to write a check that my behind couldn't cash or something to that effect that you don't believe fat meat greasy. Now, all of those sayings made absolutely no sense to me as a child. But as I got older, I realized what she was trying to tell me. Just have faith in what I'm saying to you so that you don't have to experience the heartache. Don't spend all your money when you get your check. Save some, but I really won't. Then when something comes up, you like, oh, I really didn't want that that bad. That necklace, not as cute as it was when you got it, that dress or them shoes, you know, really ain't as nice as they were when you bought them. Because now you really needed to, you know, pay an unexpected bill, and the Lord was nudging you to tell you, hey, hey, hold that, hold that. And you like, for what? I paid, you know, I paid all my bills. But then something unexpected popped up, and you like, oh, have faith in God. Faith is that ingredient that you have to have. So let's go over and look at James 2. James chapter 2. going to look at verses 14 through 19. <clears throat> it says, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, let's just pause there, because some people will readily say, yeah, my faith saved me. Did it? Just hold your finger right there, and let's go to Romans. We're going to look at Romans 10 because some people will just jump and say, yeah, my faith saved me. But let's look at Romans 10, 
verses 8 through 10. It says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So again, we see two ingredients here. We see faith, and we see confession. Confession alone does not bring salvation. Faith alone does not bring salvation. But you mix the two together, and you got salvation. All right, let's go back over to James. Verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So <clears throat> James is saying, hey, listen, you, you got to have both. You need to mix your faith with your works. He goes so far as to say, you'll see the evidence of my faith in my works. Now, one thing that's important, because I'm thinking about tithing right now, you know, people, you know, we, we give, we, we, we return the tithe, and we sow our seed into the kingdom of God. But if you're just doing it out of, well, I know tithing offering time is coming, so I got my envelope ready, and I'm going to drop it in the bucket. You're missing a piece. Every time you plant, you need to plant in faith, intentionally, expecting to receive. Because see, if you're just kerplunking it in the bucket, then you're not attaching any faith to it. But when you plant that seed because you've prayed over it, you know, some, some, we, sometimes we'll say name your seed, but you intentionally are giving with your heart connected to that giving. There's a difference in that. So James is saying faith without works is dead. You gotta have the two working together, faith and patience. Faith and confession brings about salvation. Faith that when I give, I shall receive. Well, what are you expecting to receive at the end? Then now you need to listen to Holy Spirit say, okay, I've sown this seed. What is my next step? Because that's the work that goes along with your faith in sowing. No farmer just throws seed on the ground and expects it to yield the harvest that they're looking for. When a farmer plants seed, they're planting that seed because they know they got household bills to pay, they know they got farm bills to take care of, and they want to make sure that they have seeding seed for the next season. 
all of that is attached to their first initial action. And then they release their faith, they, they get the ground prepared, they sow that seed, and they make sure that they've done all that they need to do to keep the animals away from digging up the seed, to keep the birds from eating up their seed. They're watching it to make sure weeds aren't growing up. When they see the first sign of a leaf picking out of the ground, they don't go snatch it up because they know it's not ready. So they're exercising patience. There's an endurance there. But all the while, it's mixed with faith. Faith that they're sowing the seed in the right season. Faith that they're going to get the right amount of rain so that their seed can produce whatever it's supposed to produce. Faith has to be mixed with something. It's the foundation ingredient. It's the main ingredient. But how many of you would like to eat this cake flour? Just the cake flour. I don't care how sweet it is. I'm not interested in just eating the cake flour. I want to mix the ingredients together. But then what's the next step? Now you got to wait because it got to go in the oven. And it's got to bake the right amount of time. This one is, depending on, ha, that's good, Lord. Depending on the type of pan and the thickness of the pan, the time varies. So depending on what you're believing for, and how big that thing may be, or how much time it may take for that particular seed to yield you the harvest you're looking for, determines how long you need to stay in faith. You, I, don't, I can't just put this cake in the oven and be like, okay, it's been five minutes, this cake should be done. It is nowhere near done. It's still just batter. If I just let it cook 15 minutes, it's, it might be cooked on the outside, but the inside is not done. I can't ice that cake. I can't serve that cake, but we be begging God to hurry up. Come on, Lord, give me my blessing. I sowed seed yesterday. Where is my harvest? Faith and patience. The scripture tells us to let patience have her perfect work so that you are entire, wanting nothing. Have you ever, now I've done this, have you ever been so hungry that you kind of rushing to cook something and you know it's not quite done, but you go ahead and cut off the done parts? You don't even get to enjoy the whole thing. But we'll rush through, we want to rush through the process. You want to rush through, you know, I got to, I got to get this and I got to, okay, I got to, I got to, I got to. Slow down and let daddy have his perfect work. Trust that what he said he has for you is going to be on the other end of your faith. Let's go back to Galatians. Picking up in Galatians 3, 
in verse 15. It says, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So I'm going to read verse 15 from the Amplified. <clears throat> it says, to speak in terms of human relations, brethren, if even a man makes a last will and testament, a merely human covenant, no one sets it aside or makes it void or adds to it, when once it has been drawn up and signed, ratified, or confirmed. So Paul is saying, even a natural man in the natural sense, when a will is drawn up, if I, 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 if I had a will that I had drawn up, and I have one heir, which is my son, when I'm gone, nobody can make adjustments to that will. Nobody can add in, oh, well, you know, she, she, she forgot to put that she wanted to give him, you know, XYZ collection. Oh, well, no, she told me I could have that, so you need to take that out the wheel. That's for me. So what God promised, the covenant that he broke with Abraham, when he said it was for Abraham's seed, for his heirs, that those who are of the faith, are just like the children of Abraham, nobody can come and ratify that, change it, adjust it, or make it null and void. It is what it is, a promise of God that we get the benefit of because we are of the faith. So when the situation tells you, no, this thing ain't coming through. I know you believe in God to sign for this house in the next couple of weeks, but... That deal not coming through. You can give up that commission. It's not happening. When, when you're driving down the street and somebody hits your car and they don't have insurance and now your mind is telling you, now nah, I got to kick out all this money and I'm not going to get it back. No, no, no. The thief be found. He got to repay sevenfold. See, there's promises in the word that belong to us, but a couple of things happen. We don't spend enough time learning what those promises are. If we have learned what they are, we, we, we get to the place because so much time has passed, we begin to allow our feelings to dictate what our faith is, and faith and feelings are so far removed from one another, they shouldn't even really impact the other. Or... We just don't exercise any faith. And we miss out on the things that God has already set aside for us. Then there's the scenarios where we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking God to fix it when he already fixed it. When really what we need to do is say, okay, by faith, I've received the Spirit of God on the inside. And according to the Scripture, he said that he tells me I can know all things that, according to Jude 20, that if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you can know all things. That means the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you in the direction you need to go so that you can take hold of the promise of God that's at the end of that thing. But all of that goes right back to you believing it. If you believe that the word is true, then you'll act like it. 
Now, I'm not saying sometimes we don't find ourselves in situations where we're fighting to believe. The scripture tells us to fight a good fight of faith. The Lord knew that there would be times that it looked impossible. But we have a witness in Jesus Christ who even when it came time for him to get on the cross, he even said, if you can let this pass, let it pass. But not my will, thine will. So even Jesus understands sometimes the pressures of life get real heavy. But our response by faith should be the same as his was. If, I can, if you can find another way for me to deal with this, good. But if not, not my will, your will. If it's for me to walk this thing out all the way to the end, enduring the heckling, enduring the naysayers, then so be it. But... You got to believe in God. You have to have faith that he is faithful that promised. You have to mix your faith with the word of God. See, the word contains all of the other ingredients that we need for whatever scenario it is that we have. We're not at a loss for the information. The question is, how much time do you spend studying what's available to you. Like when I, when I buy things that I have to put together, rarely do I look at the instructions. I'll just look at the box. I think that comes from my years of putting puzzles together. There's no instructions to put a puzzle together. It's just a box full of 2,000 pieces, sometimes 5,000 pieces, whatever, you know, tickles your fancy when it comes to putting puzzles together. All you have is a picture. Well, after putting puzzles together for so long, you know, I created a process. You do the border first. Get the outside right. Then I, I put all the light pieces together. If it's a bunch of clouds, then, you know, I got all these white pieces over here. And if it's grass, then I got all the green over here. And if it's some wood in there, then I, I got all of the light pieces together. And then I just started working through that thing, trying to put that puzzle together. Well, I guess because I learned how to do that, that when I get stuff like bookshelves or TV stands, I rarely look at the instructions. I might glance at it, but I ain't really looking at that. I'm just going to go for it. Now, we've had some successes and some failures doing it that way. But when you follow the instructions, you're guaranteed success every single time. So if you just have faith in the word and allow yourself to be led of the spirit of God, you can have success every single time, even if you miss a step. Now, how can I say that? God told Abraham, get thee out of thy country, away from thy kindred. Now, we all know that didn't mean leave Sarah there. But that meant you and your wife get your stuff, go. But Abram took Lot because he felt obligated to his nephew, right? That's not what God told him to do. 
My mama would always tell me, Lot can't go. Lot can't go. <sighs> okay, Ma, I get it. Just, okay, I, I got it. Don't worry about Lot can't go. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But even when he took Lot, even when Sarah laughed when God said she was going to have a baby in her old age, and the Bible called her old. I didn't call her old. The Bible called her old. The Bible called Abram old. But it didn't matter that they made those missteps. It didn't change God's promise. It may have held up them getting to the promise when he initially wanted them to get there, but it didn't veto their promise. Now, we have an even greater covenant built upon better promises of which Christ is the mediator of that covenant. So he gave us 1 John 1, 9, so that if we miss it, we can confess it, so that we can get right back in the right line to receive every promise that he has for us. But you even have to exercise faith that that's true. You have to believe that when you mess up and you go to God, you have to believe that he really forgives you. If you don't, you find yourself slipping in condemnation. You're trying to live through guilt. And that situ sends you into a whole nother spin in the wrong direction. But when you just go ahead and say, you know what, by faith, I receive God's forgiveness, then you set yourself back on track. Now, what's the action that goes along with receiving God's forgiveness? You put your faith out there for it, and then you start making better decisions. Slow down and hear what the Lord is telling you to do. Take a pause and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be my teacher. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And wait. There's nothing wrong with waiting. Ask married folk. Ain't nothing wrong with waiting till you know. Have faith. Trust God. But remember that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And ultimately, that's what we want to do. Ultimately, we want to please God. We want to make God happy. We want to show other people that God is pleased with us. But without faith, you can't do it. So, as you're going through this week, maybe even while you're sitting in this chair, think about the areas in your life where you need to make some faith adjustments, where you need to add faith back in as the main ingredient. But don't stop there. What other ingredients go along with your faith in whatever area you're depending on God for? If, if it's health, then your faith mixed with doing some research on the right foods to eat. If it's you believe in God for a better job, well, then it's your faith mixed with you digging and looking for jobs or adding more to your skills. Maybe if it's your finances, it's you taking your faith and then writing a budget and sticking to it. 
Because see, you can write a budget. I'm a key witness. You can write a budget all day long, but if you don't pay, abide by the budget, then it was just words on a paper. A song without lyrics. So you got to mix your faith with something. And the something that you need is right here. The Lord did not leave us without what we need to appropriate every promise that he has. The question is, do you want to do the work? The question is, do you have the stamina to see it through to the end? Or are you going to quit because a storm has arisen? See, one thing I can tell you about the enemy, he don't take a day off. He like a roach. He multiply whenever he can. He get in the tiniest of crevices. So if you don't have spray or pointy toe shoe, you can't get them. So do you just leave a roach there because he in the area you couldn't get him? Or do you do something to shoo him out of there? You snap your foot at him and he come running out, then you got him? Or do you just walk away and, you know, let the roaches take over? But when you walk away, when you let go of your faith, you're letting the roaches take over. Best way I can describe it, since a water bug got in the house the other day, and he was running for his life, but he lost it. Because <laughs> you can't stay here. I don't like bugs. But we should have that same dogmatic attitude about the promises of God. They're ours. If somebody promised me a cruise, five-day cruise somewhere, oh, I'm going to make sure you give me my cruise. And I'm going to be prepared on my end. Whatever spending money I need to have, I'm going to make sure I got it. Whatever stuff I need to pack, I'm going to make sure I got it. I'm going to do my part. We have to do our part. And our part is to take our faith and mix it with whatever area in the Word of God so that we can see the manifestation of that promise. Amen? Amen. Well, everybody just bow their head. Before I even go into the altar call, I just... I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.